Hello, my name is Robert Hoop. Friends call me Bob Hoop. I live in the small town called Hettenley Hall, located five miles northeast of the historic Durham city in the northeast of England. I would like to present now, live from the Black ADA Studios in Schweinfurt, Germany, it's Lance, and the Global Detection Adventure Studios in Green Bay, Wisconsin, United States of America, it's Dave. And this is the Global Detection Adventures podcast. Enjoy. Well, hello everybody. My name is Lance and with me as usual, sitting on top of a football stadium somewhere in a a state that's well known for cheese, is my co-host and co-compadre, Dave. What's up, Lance? Cracklin' Lance. (laughs) Well, actually, I'm not high atop Lambeau Field Atrium today. Our wireless internet connection got fried by a lightning bolt yesterday. So actually, right now, I'm sitting in a janitorial closet of Uncle Paul's Pancake Palace Emporium Eatery. <laughs> say that fast once. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Try and say that three times fast. Anyways, uh, wait, hold on a second, Plants. Uh-huh. Yeah? No. Top shelf. A little over to the right. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> take it all. Oh, really? Oh, really? Take, a, take some, some home to the kids. All right. All right, Lance. Sorry about that. Some old lady came in. She just wanted to borrow some toilet paper. <laughs> you know, one day you're on top of the world. The next thing you know, you're sitting in a janitor's closet talking to a mop and mixing ammonium bleach together. Uh, but uh, what are you going to do sometimes is uh, life throws you a curveball. And then uh, and what are you going to do? Yeah, I know. I think, just think it's just crazy, you know, where... We're broadcasting a week later than normal because of a thunderstorm that was rolling over me last weekend. And then the day before we go live on your side of that world, uh, a thunderstorm knocks out all your guys' internet. It's just going crazy. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing lightning storm. It was just going across horizontally across the whole sky. It was, just, it was, a, it was a pretty cool storm, though. But unfortunately, uh, we have some... Uh, AT&T and Time Warner to come on over and take care of the mess. But uh, so I'm um, anyways, I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here. You're, you're doing fine. I see you're out this morning doing a football game announcing in, uh, uh, your amateur league over there in Germany. Oh, yeah. With the uh, the Schweinfurt ball bearings, they just totally dominated. Complete shutout 64 to zero before the other team threw in the towel. We didn't even the play full time. The they actually threw yeah. in the towel. Right in the middle of the field, just throw their towels in. <laughs> uh, it was a really dirty yellow one. <laughs> so here in America, we just play until the final whistle goes. Yeah, there's no there's no love rule there. But uh, anyway, I, I was just searching across the web. Did you see that there's a Washington quarter, 1970, out there somewhere? I, I don't know, might be a few out there, worth 30 five thousand dollars i saw some post about that this last week i can't remember exactly where i saw that at well what happened is there was a they struck a over a canadian 1941 quarter and so if you look on your 1971 quarter flip it over to the back the non-washington face side and at the bottom it'll say quarter dollar and right above the D, right between the dollar sign, quarter, 
which is what the R and the D of the dollar, the word there, you'll see a 1941, very small. And if you got one of those, you got yourself $35,000. Holy cow. Was that a silver print? Huh? Was it a silver? It was a, it was, well, the quarter, I don't know if the Canadian quarters are silver. I think maybe they're half silver, hmm. uh, 50% silver, the Canadian money. But if it was 1941, I'm sure there was silver then. So I don't know how it got mixed up. Uh, maybe they just used their, some of their metal. I, I, I don't know the whole story, but uh, I've been going through all my quarters now. So if I see a 1970, I get pretty happy. Sometimes, you know, you're looking up for all that silver quarter, 1964 and older. I might and have now, to look through some of mine. Check, check some of my change out there. But you know what it probably anyway, was? It was probably somebody at the treasurer is like, you know what, let me do something for Canada and actually make their money worth something. <laughs> there was all our Canadian listeners. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we'll see you back up north. Right. Apologize anyway. to all our friends to the north. <laughs> oh, man, you're old. No, oh, thank you. Did, did, did I really just date myself? Oh, you sure did. Was it Second City? Uh, what do they have? Yeah, Second City. What were the two guys? Uh, I, don't know I can't even name. remember their names. Yeah, the hockey fans. Anyways, we've got a good show for you guys today. We are. We have two. We actually have two guests. Lance he actually Hello. is going to be one of our guests. And Lance, you want to talk about our second guest? Uh, the second guest is a fellow ex-veteran. Uh, he was uh, in Northern Ireland in the Northern Ireland in the late seventies, and uh, both. Uh, well, his name is Ronald Bennett, so he's in England right now, standing by. We'll be bringing him in in a little bit. Uh, but both he and I suffer from. Um, Late onset PTSD. So we'll be going over that and um, talking exactly what people can look for in their loved ones and friends when uh, they might consider or think that somebody is suffering from some kind of tra traumatic disorder. So we'll be covering all the bases on that one and let everybody know exactly what that is. Right. Also, if you guys are listening out there, I am definitely giving away that Shovel Draper mini shovel hook today. And there's no questions. All you have to do is leave a comment during the show. And if there's five people that leave comments, I'll pick a number from one to five at the end of the show, but randomly, and you'll be assigned a number, and that shovel hook is going to you. So we're going to get rid of that today. Not that... It's something to get rid of. You should want it because it's really helpful to clip on your utility belt and uh, use that as your, as your metal detecting. Um, also, today, the new best of comes out today, and we have a weekly best of that uh, comes out, and um, we want to talk about that prize package oh yeah yeah it's gonna be a great prize package uh okay well when you want to start off small and work our way up Obviously, yeah let's we're go ahead and get do that some, all right we're gonna yeah. start off with some gda paraphernalia which is going to be your patch uh we'll have t-shirts hats uh gda gloves digging gloves we'll start off with that 
Uh, we'll also include in there uh, one of our bags that most of our GDA members, or I should say that the Secret 10, use, and that is the MFH bag. Yeah. Uh, we'll get a shovel from Black Ada and, and a hand spade. Um, I have a Ceph 6x8 double D coil. You guys can use that in your trashy areas. A Garrett carrot. And then on top of that, you can also walk away with either an AT Pro or a MX Sport from White's. This so. is amazing. This is one of the greatest <laughs> gift or the greatest award packages that you can actually find out there anywhere. Yeah, we don't just give away a little uh, sticker for the 100th uh, person that comes out. We want to really appreciate you guys. And to do that, uh, you all you have to do is post your finds. You're automatically entered once you make a post. Uh, and then we go through the all the different posts and we base it on different things. Uh, the likes, the, the, the history, the age, the story who found it, you know, things like that. And then we choose our, our best stuff for the week, and you are automatically qualified to win that at the end of the year. So get those posts in, and uh, you will be very happy you did if you are the one. And I'm not just going to do a randomizer thing and then just, boom, that's it. Uh, it's also going to be more like uh, – at the end of the year, there'll probably be about 50 qualifiers, and we're going to narrow it down to 25, and then that down to 12 with a buy, and so on and so on until we finally get a win, a winner. So that's how we're going to do that. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be something that'll come up at the end of the year. Uh, we'll announce exactly when the date's going to be, and. Uh, well, most likely, uh, by then, we should be having our video uh, podcast up and running, and Dave and I will actually announce and show everything both on audio and video podcast. Yeah, sounds good. Oh, oh, oh do we forget? Oh, yeah, I, should, I don't know if I should mention this now. You know what? I already blew it. I'm, I'm going to mention it now. Uh, <laughs> the GDA Awards. Yep. The Global Detection Adventure Awards. Now, uh, it's it's still in the working. We still ha we still haven't decided when we're going to do it. It's going to be this year, but we are going to honor our group members with special awards for best find. Um, we're also going to be, be I don't know. There's like four, five, six categories. Yeah, and best find. Um Humanitarian award basically comes into it as well. Uh, most advanced uh, or more most as far as video pro production, people who have um, grown in their video production. I got to get a name for this one as well. Mm -hmm. And um, there's also going to be let me think, uh, find of the year, and there's a couple more. We still have to flesh out all the the details. Uh, we tried running it last year. Uh, unfortunately, there was a lot of technical issues that happened, and um, but I'll get it. We'll get it running and and everything running perfectly. It'll be like the Academy Awards of Metal Detecting. 
Yeah, and, and we'll be on our pod. It'll be a special podcast feature of the GDA Awards, and uh, and you, you, not only do you walk away with a title, but you'll walk away with a GDA actually physical award that you can brag about and put it up on your mantle or over your bed, <laughs> wherever you want to keep it. Um. I'm gonna sleep with it if I win anything. I'm gonna sleep, you know, kick the wife out. We got a guest room; she can go sleep there. Uh, Lance, she'll sleep with anything. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, a little bit, a little news. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but uh, remember Jerry King? He was on our podcast a few weeks back. Was it last? Um, it was, was the last episode. Yeah, three weeks, four weeks, in the last week. Yeah, it was three weeks. Uh, and he was still searching for his first silver coin. And he actually did it. A week later, it was a week after our show, um, he found his first silver coin. He found 1,816 different clad coins, but never a silver. Mm-hmm. And finally found five inches deep a 44, 1944 Mercury dime. So I want to congratulate uh, congratulations going out to Jerry. For that fine, I'm sure he's probably well over 2,000 coins by now. Oh, he's got to be. But the other, the other amazing part about this, this was only like one or two days after he had a pacemaker installed, and he went, he just bucked up, got in his chair, and went out and uh, metal detected with a brand new pacemaker in there. Yeah, I'm sitting out there yesterday, 91 degree heat, complaining about man, it's too hot and muggy in here, and this guy, he's out and just got a. His heart ripped open. Put a pacemaker in there, and then he, he's out there finding uh, finding some good coinage. Nice. So, congratulations, Jerry. Appreciate uh, all your videos that you sent in to GDA, and you guys got to catch that catch his videos and and please subscribe to them. Also, a uh, new website out there. <clears throat> I don't know if you excuse me. I don't know if you saw it, but BoyCountyMetalDetecting dot com. That's their new website. Uh, they have uh, an intimate group of members from uh, their area in Texas. I guess it's Bowie County, Texas. Yeah, and Bowie uh, County. And check out Garrett's. What's this? What's a uh, Garrett? This, this Randall. What's Randall. There you go. Check out Randall's uh, metal detecting store. He has a uh, store now where he is selling. Uh, detectors and uh, check them out and, and uh, appreciate uh, any kind of uh, sponsorship that you can you can give them by uh, just checking it out and maybe buying a few things off of uh, off of Randall's site. Yeah, I've been uh, I've actually been talking with Randall and his wife Sarah quite a bit. Uh, they run the uh, the Bowie County Metal Detectors uh, group, which is actually a new hunting group as well. And um, they were both running into a problem that there's no place anywhere in their area that sells any kind of metal detector stuff. I think he, I think Randall told me that they, they had to drive almost 80 miles away in order to get any kind of stuff or order it online. So what he wanted to do is he wanted to go ahead and create something that was local that people, not only in his group, but anybody in that area of Texas were able to um, get their metal detecting gear. Uh, at a yeah. at a good place. Yeah, you 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 go to local stores and you find just stuff for kids. You know, you don't really see anything anything major or anything that everybody kind of uses out here. Um, so that's that's really good. And if you look at his site, he's he's got some really nice detectors out there that you can 
that you can uh, you can order from him online or um, so yeah you definitely got to check it out and uh, you know just uh, tell him GDA sent you maybe he'll give you some kind of <laughs> some kind of cash deal <laughs> or else he's gonna <laughs> jack up the prices who knows <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah but the good the, the good thing is that I do know that he he is selling uh, Tesoro and Garrett for sure and he's gonna be bringing in more and more detectors as as time goes by. Uh, a couple of notes there. I, I don't know if you read uh, one of the posts that uh, John DeRosa, uh, he was driving by and he sees a sign that says for sale. And it was a matchbox case, um, you know, matchbox cars. Um, so he says, oh, well, if yeah, it's, it's free. So he stops and gets it. It's kind of t- a little torn, throws it in his car, brings it home. Uh, he notices that it. It's got a little weight to it. So when he opens it up, what does he see inside there? Yeah. Vintage Max Box cars from the 60s and the 70s. And as a toy collector, this is one of my wet dreams. This is this is truly one of those things that I wish could happen to me. Because, first of all, somebody put this box out there. And then, like you said, they had the sign on it where it just basically said free. And so he's like, okay, I'll just rummage through it, see what there is. And... He's like, well, I find Matchbox cars, so I'll get the Matchbox case so I could put uh, the stuff I find metal detecting in there. And lo and behold, I think last post he said he lost track around $150 worth of cars, and he hadn't even gone onto the second row. Yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, he'll probably keep them anyways. I don't think he sells them um, if he's a collector. Um, but, yeah, it's just uh, just amazing. There's people just, you know, some people's trash is other people's treasure, and this one is definitely treasure. So, you know, you don't always have to dig it in the ground. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and as a collector, you know, it's one of those things, you know, you need to double-check the toys you throw out because it's amazing. Uh, you would never think that a toy could be worth so much money, but there are toys from the 1980s that are worth thousands of dollars. Also, uh, I want to do a little congrats to Philip Kemmerlin. Uh, he got his scored his first V nickel uh, from you guys uh, in different countries here in the United States. Uh, the V nickel was the predecessor to the Buffalo nickel, mm-hmm. and um, you're looking dates. Uh, I don't know what the, what the earliest V nickel is. I can take a look and let you know right now. Yeah, it's, it know wasn't what, produced very many years. Yeah, I got two V nickels. One last year was at a 1906, and this year I got a 1897. So it's gonna be older than that. I don't recall the earliest, but I guess I should have prep more for the show for and talk about V nickels, right? Um, but while you're looking up that, Lance, I just want to know how the voting is going between voting between you and Stephen Ocker. Well, the last time I checked, uh, Stephen Ocker was actually uh, ahead of me. It wasn't. It's not a landslide. Uh, but on Stephen Ocker's side, it was nine to six, I believe. I counted, and on ours, it was, uh, on my side, it was three to two, or four to three. I think it was four to three on my side. So, 
<laughs> Slowly, Stephen Ocker is uh, going up and uh, taking over. But I can completely understand. I mean, he really, he really did find something fantastic out there. That silver, that silver hat pin. I even voted for him on that one. You so, voted for him? Oh yeah, of course I voted for him. Uh, I, I voted for you. I voted for you, Lance. I should, I should change my vote, but I'm not going to do that to Steve. Steve really deserves it. And he yeah, did he had a great. He had a, definitely, definitely. You guys both had some really cool finds there. Um, yeah, but I, I didn't really, I haven't really officially put my vote in because of my internet problems. But yeah, uh, yeah. How long is the voting going to go for before it's, uh, it's contested or is it's? Uh, I think you know, I think it'll go for uh, one week. It'll be next Friday, and then that'll be it because the the Saturday then the next one comes up. So we'll see. All right. So yeah, I had pretty good score this week. Yeah, Got myself nice silver band with a. I thought it was a pretty decent looking diamond on top. wasn't the greatest of cut diamonds, so it's not like a real expensive ring, but it is a real diamond. And on the side, it has a little. It looks like glass, but I'm not sure. Um, didn't really ask about that, but. Uh, yeah, I was pretty excited. I was uh, at a local park, a little park, and hit an 83 figure. It was just a, I figured it was a silver quarter because the depth of it was like oh, five and a half inches or so. Wow. And then when I started digging it up, I'm thinking, oh, man, a freaking pull tab? How does that, what? Because, you know, all I saw was this, the flat side. It was, you know, hollow or whatever. Mm. And I pulled it out, and it was a ring. And then the first thing I thought, I go, oh, it's just probably a piece of, you know, costume jewelry, and then I looked inside and had a nine two five reading on the silver. <laughs> Took it home, cleaned it up, and I was like, "Wow!" It's, it's a, and I really doubted that the diamond was real, and uh, took that in, and uh, it's real. Oh wow! So I, it's uh, it's not a very expensive ring. It probably the whole thing is probably going to work about three hundred bucks. But I was thinking, man, that diamond looks pretty big. I thought diamonds were a little bit more expensive, but it's kind of on the low end of the diamonds. Um, but it's a, it's a nice, nice score. Yeah. I, I actually saw the photos of that when you posted it onto the GDA Facebook group and I was, it just, uh, kind of really amazed me. I've had one of those crazy weeks where I just haven't been able to respond much. Uh, I've been working and when I get home, I've, it's just been so physical this last week at work that when I get home, I just ended up crashing in the bed and just couldn't get up till about seven o'clock in the evening. Yeah, I, it's, it's been same same here. I mean, work is, you know, this is my busy season, so um, I don't even want to get into that because <laughs> it's time to time to enjoy some metal detecting talk and and uh, and, and just kind of forget what you really have to do and uh, relax a little bit. But right after this, I'll probably go out and hit the park for maybe another couple hours. It's really nice outside. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll be headed up. Up, I uh, just want to let you guys know I'll be headed up north to Door County to do some metal detecting on a permission. It's a property that's over 100 years old. Uh, I've got one invite out right now. I, I'm able to take. Well, uh, Dave, Dave, are you still around? 
Well, this has been happening. Unfortunately, we got some storms that are coming in over the Atlantic, over North Ireland, and the, the internet connection's flying across uh, the Atlantic through there. And so, any of the problems that are going on right there, it's causing problems all across the internet. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to be keeping trying bringing Dave back in, uh, but uh, in the meantime, uh, since we're on. Um, the the accounts of metal detecting i'd like to go ahead and uh just kind of bring up um uh to <laughs> paul brown uh who was out uh, metal detecting uh this week and um you happened to find something that really spoke to me and i think a lot of people you found a ring that was out there which is fantastic uh but this wasn't just any ring this is the one ring to rule them all this is this is actually the ring from Lord of the Rings, which I thought it was kind of a funny find. You know, uh, who knows where those hobbits dropped it on the way to the to Mordor, and uh, there it is. Uh, he's uh, he's found it over there. So I'm going to go ahead and bring hey. Dave back into this. There he is. Hey, well, he said I was going to lose you, and I did lost. So. <laughs> it's happening with those storms coming in over northern ireland it's going to be one of those uh one of those on and off things today so yeah you're going to probably lose me maybe one more time during the show which maybe it's a good thing and then uh the voice of um our guest might be crackly too so we're going to try to grin through this so you want to take that uh take our break and then we'll get back yeah we'll definitely do that we'll go ahead and uh throw in our break uh, get a really nice message from our sponsor from one of the greatest guys uh speaking of which i'd like to go ahead and give a really huge shout out to nathan and matthew from the company black Adder. they've they've really been some of the greatest uh greatest people out there so uh they've really they've really pushed for us uh, so I'll go ahead and do that, and um, so I'll try and get Ron in here, and uh, we'll cut out to a commercial. So talk to you in just a second, everybody. Oh, man. I've been out here metal detecting all day. I finally got the perfect signal, which was probably a gold brick or a million dollars in coins, and my spade broke trying to dig the hole. Has this ever happened to you? I'm pretty sure it has. With the Black 88 spades, you will never have that problem again. With reinforced welds and reinforced shafts, the Black 88 digging accessories are one of the best on the market, created by metal detectors for metal detectors. So make sure you visit their website at blackada.com and purchase yourself one of their fantastic digging accessories. Oh wow, this new spade is really tearing up the ground. Thanks, Black ADA. So visit BlackADA.com. That's BlackADA.com. The side effects the of using the Black ADA spades are included but are not limited to addiction to metal detecting, digging holes easier, finding more relics, creating cleaner plugs, listening to the Global Detection Adventures podcast, making YouTube videos, watching V3I Sweeper episodes, watching Detecting Bavaria with Lance and Black ADA. The Black ADA question of the week. Help us come up with a fun and interesting set of questions to let listeners answer here in the Facebook group. The submitting name will be mentioned in the top answers and be read live on the show with the name of the person who submitted it. (laughs) 
All right, so we're having a hard time getting Ron Bennett to come back in. I'm uh, not exactly sure what's going on over yeah, there. Yeah, I can hear you now, Dave. Oh, there he is. There he is. Welcome, Ron. Welcome, Dave. Welcome, Lance, if you're still about. We're, we're still rounding about here. All right, well, we have some really bad connections. Your voice sounds a little bit better now. Yeah, definitely a lot yeah. better than it was on the pre-show. Yeah, it dropped, right. it dropped off a bit. When I was just listening to you, it basically it cut out again. Yeah, I think I think the storms going over Northern Ireland are affecting a lot more than we might even know. All right, well let's uh, let's let's get to the uh, this uh, the nitty gritty of the PTSD uh, for those who suffer from this uh disease uh is a mental health disease um they they'll probably hopefully appreciate what we're trying to do here and also for those who are family members wives husbands girlfriends um who are affected with someone that has uh, PTSD. Um, this is sort of to try to to help bridge the gap uh, between uh, between everybody. Um, both of these, both of uh, Ron and Lance, they're both military uh, personnel um, from the past. Uh, Lance, can you um, tell us what what outfit you were in and um, um, how, uh, the years of your service? Yeah, I was uh, I was in the U.S. Army from 1989 till 2005. Uh, I spent multiple tours in Egypt, Bosnia, Kosovo, Macedonia, Iraq, and actually I was in Kosovo twice. And um, so, yeah, a good 15 years in the U.S. military. So, been all right. over the so world. Ryan, how about yourself? I was in the British Army. I joined in 1974. That was boys' service. And then I went over to man service, and I came out in 1979 in a height for the troubles in Northern Ireland. Okay. And were you guys uh, uh, any uh, – I was going to say – I want to say battles, wars – uh, we're going on at the time. Um, were you guys on the front lines? Uh, what 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 was your responsibility for? I let Ron go first. All Ron? right, I was on the uh, crash team in Northern Ireland. That was with the doctor. I got called out to serious inc- a number of serious incidents, bomb bomb blasts, and basically the one that gave me the PTSD was I had to get someone to hospital and they died and they got shot, an RUC reservist constable. Mm. That was in Armagh, in North, that was in, sorry, in Londonderry. Mm. I, was, uh, I was actually in 1999, I was in the second vehicle to cross into the, uh, to cross the Kosovo border into Kosovo from Macedonia. Uh, from there, I spent uh, just over uh, just just under six months in Kosovo, uh, right at the outset of the um, of our units there. And then in two thousand three, 
I went with my airborne unit. We paratrooped, uh, did a parachute insertion into northern Iraq in March of 2003. And so uh, we weren't quite front lines. Special forces were in front of us, but uh, we were seeing the after effects of the special forces push south. Now, what, 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 uh, how did you recognize that you have this and did you know what it was and, um, or do you, you were just, um, just feeling different or you, you were able to get a, a name to this, um, PDSD, uh, but how, do, how did you recognize that you had it? What were you feeling at the, at the time? Ron? Right. I, it's Dave, it's really hard to explain, but I'll try and simplify it for your users. Basically, I had mine for 30 years. It never came out until I had an accident. Basically, in the British Army, I don't know what it's like in when Lance served, but when I served, you either the attitude was you done your job and you just shut up and got on with it. You didn't discuss it, you just done it and got on with it. Do you know what I mean? And basically, there was no counselling like the police service get or the the medical service, ambulance services. There's no counselling whatsoever. You you just go and get drunk. And basically, you don't know you've got it. It's not something you know. It does change you, but it causes you problems along the way. And someone else, like your family member, could pick up on it. Do you know what I mean? My wife... Yeah, what were some, some of the some of the changes? I mean, what what were you feeling? I mean, anger. What what kind of emotions? I mean, oh, you feel angry, and basically, you you get into a flight and f- fight and flight syndrome. Basically, if someone challenges you, you either want to get out of the situation or you're going to fight. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And basically, you feel a lot of you feel a lot of remorse and a lot of guilt. I felt a lot of guilt for what happened, which wasn't my fault. I never shot the person. He just happened to die, and basically the IRA shot him. And basically, I what happened, I can explain to you what happened now, is that I was I had to get him to hospital. There was blood all in it. I can still smell the blood to this day. And basically, I was told as a young soldier to get out the ambulance and basically turn around and his wife was there and turn around and just cover. And to this day, I feel so guilty about that that I couldn't go up and say to her, look, your husband said this and he said that and try and give her a bit of comfort. Because she was pregnant. I can still see it to this day. And when my boss took him in and operated on him, he came out, he had blood all over him, and he said, no, he's gone. I had to let him go. Do you know what I mean? And if you're 20-year-old... As like I was explained to all these years later, you're not mature enough mentally. Basically, you're still immature mentally. You're not actually, your emotions are not grown. So basically anything you do, it is going to stay with you. And I got stuck in the past. I started drinking as probably Lance did. I started like making an arse of myself really and like fighting and things like that, which isn't me, it's just a thing of it. And I'd argue with people and basically you keep yourself to yourself. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. So you were more more angry than... Was that, yeah, is, that, is that a part of the... 
Is that a part of depression, or is that just yeah, just being can, angry and frustrated and just you don't everything? You know yourself. You don't know, understand in yourself what's going on because you don't realize you've got the problem. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's right. basically. I was getting it. I, I, I was, I'm not the same person then as I am now. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, because exactly, I've had yeah. CBT treatment, right? But at the time when you're going for it, you don't know you've got it. It's just, it's, it's mentally it changes. You get depressed because you're feeling guilty all the time about someone dying or some horrific incident, which you wouldn't normally see if you're in Civvy Street. You basically, you're not, as a human being, we're not, programmed to keep going through horrific incidents do you know what i mean and having to deal with traumatic situations and it's i can still see i can still go through the actual events of the day and it happens all the time do you know what i mean and basically with what happened was what made me feel really guilty was i after my boss came out and said to me look i've had to let him go the woman was sitting down her her his wife was sitting down and she was pregnant and she was a tall woman about six foot five eleven or something with long black hair and she had a black and white dress on and you could tell she was pregnant i was going to go up to her and say to her like i said excuse me miss and i was just about to say look can i speak to you and i was going to like say to her, i'm really sorry about your husband but there was two special constables, like special branch constables from the Irish police, and they said, you've done an F enough. Mm. And that stopped me in my tracks, and that's what I felt angry. I thought, well, what have I done? I'm just, you know what I mean? And then they walked away laughing. And yeah. I thought, you know what I mean? And that, and that really, really did make me angry. At first, I was stunned, because I can remember going back in the ambulance with my boss, and, uh, and we never talked. Well, basically, you could tell it was a, like an eerie silence in the back of that ambulance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And basically, it was like, it was weird. But it was, I start, after that happened, I used to go and get drunk. Well, David said the same. I went to the Naffy or you go to the PX bar and I basically went and got drunk. And basically, you just go and drink and drink and drink and drink. And because drink safety catch comes off and then you end up getting in trouble. Do you know what I mean? Fighting or whatever. And basically, it's because you feel guilty and angry, but you don't know why you feel guilty and angry at the time. So yeah. this is a specific incident that happened to you. It, it, uh, in your I case, had, it, it was, yeah, was I, had it? A, I had a couple of incidents. I had an incident where we was on exercise in Soltal and basically, I got called out because I was I was on duty at the time. And basically, we was on exercise, but we were stood down for the weekend. But I I was because I was single. I got lumbered to stand to duty medic. You know what I mean? The rest of them went known to Islone or Aimer or Paderborn, wherever they were. Basically, a guy was tank regiment. It was an engineer, and he slipped down the bank, and he went underneath the wheels of a chieftain tank, and it crushed him in the middle. He was still alive. So I got called out to that because I was the nearest one to it. I got called out to it. And basically, before the doctor came, and I was talking to him, but as soon as they released the pressure of the tank track, he was going to bleed to death straight away. And that was the only thing that was keeping him alive. But you couldn't say that to him. You've got to stand there. You know that's happening. And you've got to talk to someone and comfort them. Do you know what I mean? 
And I had other things where I'd gun pull everything on my own. I'd gun pull dead bodies out of a bar that got blown up by the IRA. Do you know what I mean? And all this, like David tell you, all this plays on your mind. You don't realise it at the time, but it does change you. Do you know what I mean? Right. Lance, yeah. what uh, did you? Was there anything specific? In yeah, your case, there, there was actually a couple, you... couple different things that affected me. It was Kosovo back in '99. I can still remember it's, and you know, Ron is right on. It's there are certain certain events that happen during during your career, and um, I'd like to actually point out Randall is listening right now, and it's not just soldiers. It's it's firefighters, it's policemen, it's even people that get in car accidents. But for us, the two of us are both ex-military, and we both were in situations. Um, my first incident was in. Uh, Kosovo back in 99 and this was one of those ones that will always stick in my head um, there was a curfew in the area that uh, after darkness everybody needed to stay home no driving around at the time uh, and um, one night late it was about 11 30 12 o'clock at night uh, a car comes running at our checkpoint and uh, we go full weapons ready and it comes to a screeching halt and it turns out that uh, the car was full of um, a mother, father, a daughter, and the father of the father were inside the car. And uh, they were coming back from a wedding, and they were running late and were trying to get back to their town. And what had happened is that uh, their car had come under fire from uh, one of the opposition forces that was uh, probably a good five miles down the road, so we never heard the shots. And... Um, what had happened is that they had basically missed everybody in the front seat, but the people in the back seat, the grandfather was dead on scene. He had a shot to the head. The daughter was shot in the abdomen, but she ended up surviving. But it's one of those incidents that you can actually see it replay over and over in your head. You know, when I walk up to that car, I can still remember that I walk up to the passenger side of the car as the squad leader that was on duty that day that uh, I had somebody else approach the driver because, uh, you, you know, if something happens, those are the ones that they're going to think are going to be the ones in charge. And then I looked in the back seat, and um, the scene that was in the back seat was one of those scenes that will never leave your brain. I mean, I can't, can't really explain it right now. Uh, but then the second effect uh, was in 2003. It was June 2003, the day exactly, I can't remember. Um, it was late June. We were approaching the 4th of July. It was about 1.40 in the morning. Um, I had given up the couch that I was staying sleeping on in the safe house that we were at in Iraq for one of the soldiers who decided he wanted to stay up and play uh, a role-playing game with the other soldiers after coming in off patrol. So I was like, okay, then you can just play with them, sleep on the couch because it was right there in the safe house, and I'll go sleep in the closet. Uh, don't bring up anything about that, Dave. And um, <laughs> and uh, so I was in the closet, and about, it was a good 20, 30 minutes later, probably about 2.20 in the morning, uh, I had just dozed off because I was having a hard time trying to sleep. I, I don't know why I couldn't go to sleep that day. Uh, but then about 20 minutes later, there was a, the most horrendous explosion that I've ever heard in my life. And then it was followed by the sound of glass just hitting the floor. I mean, 
if you think of it, I mean, it's like somebody drove a semi-truck into your building that you're in, and then it seemed like an hour later, the sound of just glass falling onto the floor. And then there was a blood-curdling scream that I will never forget from this day. What had happened is that our safe house had come under attack in northern Iraq. We were in the city of Kirkuk, Iraq. And um, three guys, they had RPGs. Uh, two of them had a rocket-propelled grenade on their shoulder, and they fired in succession three rounds. So the first guy fired, the first one missed, the second guy fired, the second one missed, and the third one happened to be a direct hit onto the balcony. And it was an anti-tank round, so it exploded as it hit the balcony, but it penetrated the concrete, went into the building, ricocheted off a wall, and then hit my soldier who was laying on the couch directly in the legs, ripping both legs off of him before it uh, finally flew up and just ended up bouncing around inside. Um... It's, again, one of those scenes that'll never leave your mind. You know, I finally was able to throw pants on and get out of that closet. And all I see are these tracks from where he rolled off the couch onto the floor and pulled himself into the back bedroom. Um, and like, like Ron said, it's one of those things that uh, as it happens and as it goes and as you're a soldier, you don't, you don't, um, you don't think about it. You're trained for exactly these kind of things. You're, you are a soldier. You are a bred and trained killer. Um, and this is exactly the kind of thing that you need to be ready for. But there's really, there's nothing that can prepare you for it when it actually does happen. Some people can handle it better mentally than other people. And some people, it hits you and... It's done. It, your brain slowly devolves into something else. Did uh, unlike Ron, you know, we're, we're actually not only did nobody talk to him, but they are actually just really insensitive to him. Um, did anyone after the event? Did they have somebody in the military that would come and, and talk to you about the event uh, just to make sure that? Mentally, you guys were you were still stable, or or what happened? No, no, not at all. I mean, it was the driver of my of my squad, so he was the guy that drove my Humvee, and um, uh, I've always felt guilty for being the one to allow him to sleep on the couch because I mean, twenty minutes earlier, it would have been me laying on that couch, and I would have probably been more fine with that than you know, see him go through life with. Um, prosthetics on both his legs one above the knee and the other one below the knee and um but it's one of those things that nobody came and talked to us it was you suck it up and drive on continue mission um i ended up not being able to sleep for about four and a half days i think four and a half days later i think i had accumulated maybe three hours of sleep i couldn't sleep anymore and the this the uh, chain of command noticed and they sent me back to work on the the main base that we were stationed out of there in town. All right. Well, for both of you guys, how soon after or were you out of the military before you noticed changing changes being made 
um, in your life uh, mentally, uh, or was it something that just kind of slowly crept up on you? Yeah, well, I when know did you, for me, when, for, for me, it was uh, everything came to a boiling point in 2012. I saw nothing happening. I, there, there was no way for me to see anything going on. And then in 2012, uh, I had a complete emotional breakdown. Uh, it almost cost me my wife. It almost cost me my family. Um, I almost completely left everything. Uh, and that's when I noticed that something had to be going on. Um, so that's when I talked to my wife. It, I only noticed it at one point, and that was it. That's the same as me, Dave. Can I just say that when when all the inc- when the incident happened, especially that incident with the RUC constable, I after that I was on four days R and R, and I came home to the UK for my four days R and R, and basically for the whole of that four days and for a week before, I just felt numb. Do you know what I mean? I just felt numb. I just go out and want to get drunk, and I just. I just didn't feel emotion. I felt emotionally detached from myself, if that's the right word. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't understand because I was so young. But like, like Lance said, I had exactly the same thing because I can understand where he's coming from. Because I had an incident about three years ago where I had a breakdown, but mine took thirty years to get diagnosed, and basically. I had a breakdown. I nearly lost my wife and family over it. And basically, it's when I went and had that I I knew something was happening. I went to see a psychologist and a psychologist, and I thought I was back in Northern Ireland. I had flashbacks, and basically, it's it was basically I then got put through to a CBT training, and I found out then thirty years afterwards that I had a lot of guilt towards the incident and I had to talk about it to get it out in the open. What what was the perception? I mean, what was your family going through um, for both of you guys uh, when this was happening? Did, obviously, you didn't know what was going on with you. They, well, did, they didn't know what was going on with you. They just saw you becoming uh, detached, maybe, ang- a little bit more angry, frustrated, depressed. Um, what? My daughter says the rest thing. She says to me, "It was like walking around. It was like you walking around you on eggshells because you're very fiery all the time. The slightest thing, and you'd lose it. Do you know what I mean? And you'd lose it big time. Where I don't do that now. Do you know what I mean? Because I've got a better understanding of my condition. By the time when you don't, you go from naught to a hundred. It might take a couple of hours to come down." See what I mean? And that's the danger point in it. And for me, yeah. Uh, For me, it was um, basically my complete symptoms, now that I look back at it on hindsight, I became somebody completely different, somebody who I totally wasn't. I was trying to lose myself into making people accept me more. I I didn't have anger issues, uh, so to say. I mean, PTSD affects everybody slightly different. Uh, for me, it was I was trying to hide who I truly was. I was losing myself in um, I was working at heavy metal festivals here in Germany, so I was able to go into that. I was working um, weekends at a local um, rock and roll bar where I was uh, 
you know the uh, the bartender back backstage and then i became i created these personas of this person uh, who was able to hide myself as 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 who i really was so i didn't have to deal with myself in real life um imagine it this way remember that game where you push the playing board down and you have like 50 pieces puzzle pieces that all have different shapes and you have like a minute and a half that you have to get all these pieces back into the board before the timer runs out and the board springs up and all the pieces fly out well, it sounds like a fun game. Never, no. <laughs> I can't. I think it was called Aggravation or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was called. And now imagine each one of those pieces that you have to place back in there are your emotional states. You know, one is love, one is disgust, one is hate, one is envy, one is. And but what had happened is the board had sprung, and all those pieces had flown back out, and. As PTSD affects you, you're trying to place those pieces back in place, but you're putting them in the wrong shape, if that makes sense. You're placing the star, you know, the star represents love, and you're placing that in the circle, which represents disgust. So nothing was working with me. All these emotions were completely topsy-turvy, and it came down to a point that I literally asked my wife if she still loved me and how she knew it. Because I didn't know. I didn't know if I loved my wife anymore. It came down to that point. And um, it was from that moment on that we were able to work forward. Oh. Yeah, I think, I think Lance, I think Dave, rather, I think it comes down to this. If you can't love yourself, you can't love other people. And it's a very true saying, and it actually works. Like, PTSD now to me is like because I understand it is like I class it as wearing an an overcoat that you get comfortable in. Do you know what I mean? And it's like when you get it, you don't know you've got it because it becomes part of you. It's like putting an overcoat on and not taking it off, sort of thing. I don't know whether Lance feels the same, but that's how I felt. That's how I felt in hindsight now with it, and that's the only way I can sum it up. It's always with me. It's like the old jacket that you put on that you never want to get rid of. Yeah, you didn't. It, it's kind of even for me. It was more of a fact that I didn't even realize that I put the jacket on, and uh, yeah. So that's how it was for me. So this is a this is an incurable. But um, how do you guys do? You use anything to control it? Is there is medication, uh, therapy? What? What are some of the ways that you can control? Well, it's highly recommended. Yeah, go ahead, Ron. Go ahead. All right. What I do is I had an incident quite recently where, because I can control it now, I, I saw a soldier. He was from Afghanistan, and he got blown up, and he was on the streets. And basically, and because of what I was doing at the time, I was dealing with issues for people with disabilities and also with the, with the local council and also I was basically it was coming up to Remembrance Day and everything came to a head sort of thing so I knew I just had to go back I, I went back and had some CBT training again to basically grounding techniques but 
saying that I'm on sertraline and that's to control my at night time I take it as to control the nightmares and the flashbacks at night and I find with me it does help do you know what I mean yeah how about you Lance uh with me uh it was, uh, for me, um, I'm really trying to find uh, a therapist over here that would really be able to help me out in English because um, for me trying to communicate and explain everything to them in German, I think I'm just going to lose everything in translation. But my greatest asset over here is my wife. Uh, with her, I'm able to talk, and um, she listens and gives her insights. Um, one of the, the other greatest thing that I did... Um, because I suffered once I realized what was going on, I had a huge amount of depression. Uh, there were even times when I stood on the balcony of my apartment and looked down and thought, you know, it only takes one second. It would take me one second. And, um, once I realized that the depression had taken over me so much, um, I started creating a day book, basically a kind of a diary where I would write my feelings that I was having that day into the book so that the next day I could look back and see how I was feeling that day and how I could work on resolving that issue that I was having. And that was one of the things that I was doing. And then being able to talk to my wife was probably one of the greatest things that I was able to do. Well, the reason why we, we brought you both on the show today is um, – you know, this is a actually a metal detecting uh, podcast, and both of you are metal detectorists and seem to uh, use this hobby as a, a sort of therapy. Um, Lance, why don't you kind of explain what you know how how metal detecting helps you um, cope with PT. Uh, one of the things that I noticed with metal detecting, kind of like fishing, I remember um, right after my breakdown, I went back to the United States and visited my father in Washington State, and we went fishing. And uh, I realized that I had had such a great time. It was such a um, kind of a release, a, a emotional and mental release just to be able to sit contemplate and just not have to worry about anything around me for that little bit of time and I was like well there's I can't really afford to get my license over here in Germany which can come up to about 1500 euro which is close to $1,700 just to be able to get your fishing license over here so what was something I could do and that's when I ran into uh, people like Deep Digger Dan or the TV sh uh, series Diggers and I was like you know that's that's something I could get into. It gets me out there alone into the wild, which I've always loved being out in the woodlands and everything else. And um, I picked up uh, a cheap metal detector with my son, Philip, which you've seen in the last couple of videos with me. And uh, actually just started forcing myself to go out there and just enjoy the, um, the aloneness of being out there, a place where I can reflect contemplate and move forward with my own mental being i guess you could say it's really it's it's truly it's right. more mentally healing than you could even imagine yeah i'll I'll say the same as what lance said i basically a few years ago i had an accident or i had ptsd i had an accident 
And basically, while I was recuperating, I'd always loved history. So while I was recuperating, I started to watch videos on YouTube. And a couple of people I watched was Digger Dan. And then basically, I found this strange lady, and she'll be laughing now. It was was Digger Dawn and Twig the Dig, who I now have got a lot of time for because I'm part of their group. And basically, I went out like... Lance did. I bought a Fisher F2, just a cheap one, because I didn't know whether I'd like the hobby. I just thought I'd like that. And I'm lucky, Ryan, because I know a lot of farmers, so I'm quite able to get permissions. And so, as friends of friends, so basically, I, I got a permission to go, and I just done it. And I found, like, I, was, I, I find it when I'm out there on my own, and it's just me and a metal detector, and me out in the elements. It's like yoga really it's a tranquil feeling because you've got the birds tweeting and you've got nice setting and you're out in the countryside and you're away from everybody and it is very very peaceful and i i i i miss it when i don't go once a week i actually miss it and i actually want to go do you know what i'm saying Mm, right that's like my time well this is probably probably one of the greatest hobbies uh, because like you say you I love going early in the morning. I mean, if I can be up when the sun's up, and it's still cool out. There, there's nobody around, and you have your headphones on, and you're just you're focused on your your metal detector and the sounds that it's making, and you you forget about everything. You're just focused on one thing, and it's just a really relaxing time. You're you're definitely getting a lot of exercise. One with your walking, two with a bunch of knee bends. You're digging, <laughs> using your trowel, and if you're like me, I, I, I dig maybe 200 targets every time I go out. So, how many times up and down you're going and you're using your shovel? But as yeah, like you say, it's very tra- tranquil, and I could see exactly what you guys are talking about. How it helps you um, just get into a, a a better frame of mind. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it over yeah, here, both he and I in point. Europe, both he and I in Europe, and uh, we're out in these fields or these farmer's fields, and uh, like me, if you see in my last video, just being out there, just almost totally isolated from anything, it was one of the best feelings that you can have, and it, it really, it really calms the nerves. It calms you down from the inside out. Well, another effect too is it, it excites you too. You know, you you think about you know you're going to go out and what what you're going to find, and you never know what you're going to find, and you can't wait to get to the site, and and then the you know the excitement if you do find something good, and you want to share it with somebody else, and um, you know with your videos or your your posts, and um, and you get feedback from from people, and you know you're making friends, so. It, yeah, like I said, it's 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 a great hobby, and I'm I'm glad it, it's working. Uh, anything else? They're not referring. Actually, might be suffering it. Most of these posts and everything else are for the loved ones of somebody who may be showing signs about it, so that they know what to look for in their loved ones, their family members, their coworkers, and everything else that they might be able to help this person get uh, assistance in any way. Um, some of the things that you need to look out Can for. I just... Yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah, can I just say, 
uh, Dave, that in the UK, basically, if anyone, well, it's the loved ones really notice it and they need help because they're, they're just as much as victim as what the person is with it, if not more so, because they're living with the chaoticness of it and what it does to the person that's changed. It's just not the same person as they met when they before they had it. And basically, they can go to combat stress. I would say get in touch with combat stress or SAFA or someone like that because they have got outreach teams in the UK and they will come and they will help the families and they will, but they need someone to make contact before they can get involved. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they need to also keep an eye out. Uh, there's certain reoccurring systems, including fearful thoughts, flashbacks, bad dreams. Uh, there's also avoidance symptoms, which is uh, the body having difficulty remembering a traumatic event or the traumatic event, um, avoiding reminders of the experience that might have happened to them, uh, avoiding places, objects, um, and then there's also what's called the hypoarousal syndromes, which are the uh, a lot of the things uh, I do suffer from as well. Um, which includes the um, the feeling tense all the time, and then the startling by sudden noises. Uh, that's one of the things that affects me really bad. Uh, I can't be around like a suddenly loud noise, like somebody dropping a pallet onto the floor. Um, but for the U.S. listeners, if you think somebody you know or you yourself is being affected, just make sure you go to the VA website. Um, they've got all the answers on where you can get help, and it's just va.gov, and then just do a search on PTSD, and that's all you have to do. Great, Great information, guys. Uh, I really appreciate, Lance, uh, you sharing your story. Also, Ron, for coming on today and sharing your stories. Um I uh, hope uh, in the near future and you guys uh, are getting um, the help that you guys need and uh, be able to control this and, and for your sake and, uh, and for your family's sake. Um, uh, Ron, I'm, I, I appreciate you coming yeah. on today. Um, uh, we're going to be wrapping the show up pretty soon here. Um, Can I just say something? I've now started doing videos, basically, on YouTube, and it's uh, Cambridge Digger. Cambridge That's Digger. My, uh, yeah, Cambridge Digger. Cambridge basically, Dig- and then I've Digger, as in Digger Dawn, Cambridge Digger. Cambridge Digger. I'll make yeah. sure that we share what that. About you? you- Lance, why don't you uh, why don't you share uh, your uh, your you got a YouTube channel too? Yeah, Lance? it's detecting Bavaria. Yeah, detecting Bavaria with Lance and Black Ada. It's a little complicated on it, but uh, anybody who's part of the Global Detection Adventures Facebook page, uh, whenever I make a video, it gets posted on there right away. You can find me through there as well. Just look for uh, Global Detection Adventures on Facebook, and you should find my videos really easy. All right, Ron, any final uh, points you want to make before we... Uh, yeah, I'd just, like, I'd just like to say before we go that if anyone does know somebody or if anyone 
father or something. Now I know now that I could see it in my well, what I could actually see that he had post-traumatic stress disorder. But like anyway, then it wasn't talked about, then it wasn't discussed. But if you know your family members been in the services and they have what me and Lance have got, or some of the things you you can finger and say, yeah, that's it. I don't day of actually me to it. Please go and do something for yourself and also for the person that's suffering it because they might not know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, Ron. We really appreciate you coming on today with us and um, you know just sharing your story with uh, with our listeners. Uh, hopefully, we'll have you back and we'll be just uh, talking about some metal detecting, some of your grape finds, and uh, uh, some of your videos and things like that. Yeah. So whenever you want, I will surely come on. So it's been a pleasure. All right. right. Thank you very much, Ron. No problem. Thank you, guys. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye. 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 All right. So yeah, a little bit, a little, little technical difficulties towards the end. Uh, Ron was breaking up a little bit, and uh, Lance, we're having some Skype problems um, because of the weather. Yeah, uh, I think so- I think Northern Ireland is really affecting uh, the English listeners. Uh, I was watching our recording software, so if they were having any issues, make sure you download the recording at our Spreaker website. I'll make sure to post the link on the Facebook group right after we get done here. You can download it, and you should have absolutely no um, audio issues whatsoever. Uh, it should be absolutely no problem. And if you have iTunes, you can get our podcast for free on iTunes just by typing in Global Detection Adventures. It'll come up. uh, You'll see the podcast on there. Just click on there, and you can download the episode for free on there as well. All right, Lance, before we wrap it up, do you uh, any uh, last points? you already had any um, thoughts about uh, our next show? uh, Who's coming on next next week? Uh, Next week is going to be Tommy Decker. He's from Chicago. He's an urban metal detector. Um, so he's going to be giving us hints and tips and tricks and everything else. How do metal detect in a city? Mm. Yeah, I, I, what he does, uh, it takes some cojones. Um, even though it is legal to do what he's doing because it's city property where he does curb strips, mm. I still feel funny about doing it because you're actually in, in, still in front of somebody's house and i always have that feeling in the back of my head that you know somebody's going to come out and be mad and that's the last thing i want yeah and i know a lot of times a lot of times you know how there's that grassy area that's between a street that goes one way in one direction and one way in another and i know he does that grassy strip quite a bit too yeah i mean i i can see the commercial areas where he does but uh you know you go out to have fun and to enjoy it, and I don't. I don't like that feeling of in the back of my mind or back of my head that somebody's going to come out and start yelling at you. Yeah, well, so that's probably one of the reasons why I stay away from some of those. But uh, I have plans to go down to to Chicago and actually meet up with with him and uh, 
do some detecting, but uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get down there. It's been, it's been really busy, but um, you know, I got the uh, the invite. So, but one one of these one of these weeks, I might get down there and yeah, meet yeah. him up and uh, do some detecting with him. I think it'll be really great, actually, being able to hear you know his input on the all kind of urban metal detecting as well, because it's one of those things that I never thought of. I mean, in my city, uh, the town where I'm at right now. I cannot metal detect within the city limits whatsoever. It's all considered a uh, protected area. And plus they're worried about bombs, which I think is rather odd. Somebody with a metal detector should be able to find bombs from World War II. But, you know, I guess let them use a backhoe to get it up. Well, where our older neighborhoods and are fine, you go down city downtown Green Bay, and even though it's an old downtown, um, there's no there's no grass. It's they cut that all out and it's all cement now you know sidewalks or curbs or so there's really not many a couple of vacant lots but there's so much fill in there you know it's just really frustrating to do any kind of detecting there um but suffice to say i'm still going out right after this show and hopefully maybe get a, a few more hours in i was out this morning and uh, i had about an hour and a half before my battery went Oh. Uh, I didn't have time enough to charge it, but I I knew I wasn't going to be out that long, so I knew it was going to probably go at any time now. But it's got full charge on there now, so uh, I'm going to get another couple hours in before I head home. Yeah, I'm, I think my next time that I'm going to be able to get out is going to be next Saturday, maybe Sunday. I think it's actually Sunday. So, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, I'll be out next Sunday, so I should be able to get a video out there for everybody to watch. Yeah, next 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 Sunday's Father's Day, so that's what I'm going to oh, do. Oh, that's right. So we got a special yeah, Father's out. Day episode with three American Yanks talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to head out uh, and, and do some detecting uh, early in the morning, and then I got a graduation party to go to in the afternoon. So hopefully it's a really nice day. Yeah, uh, so. Any shout outs you want to do to, today? Did you have anybody you wanted to well, do some shout outs to? Well, obviously, I want to give a really big uh, special shout out to our co admin on the GDA group, uh, Robert Hope, who's been doing a fantastic time, uh, fantastic job. Just got out this uh, this last week from the hospital. He had surgery done, and uh, we. I just want to personally wish him, and I know Dave, you do as well. I want to wish him uh, speedy and healthy recovery, and uh, he's really looking forward to getting out metal detecting again, which he hasn't been able to do for quite some time because of his issues that he's had. So he might be able to get back out in the next eight weeks. So was it? Did he do something with his back? Is that was a, uh, he had or? a double. He had a double hernia, is what. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Boy. And it's uh, one of those things that's been uh, affecting him for quite a while, and they were finally able to get him in. And uh, so he had some slight complications from that, but uh, everything's uh, now recovering fine, and uh, the doctors have given him a really good prognosis, uh, and then he should be back out and about and finally swinging a coil i believe after a year and a half of waiting uh for the first time in the next eight weeks wow that's great well hope a speedy recovery you too bob um i would like to give a shout out to to uh, all the, the gda members out there and um we appreciate all your your input and your posts your videos that you uh send uh to our facebook group um really enjoy watching them and and seeing your 
your fines. Um, you know, it's a uh, it's a great thing to go to. Every time I come home from work, uh, one of the first things I do is I get on my computer and go to our Global Detection Adventure Facebook page and uh, see all all the uh, great new finds and and videos. So, uh, if uh, you, you know you're a member, uh, why don't you you know just you know let your friends know if they're into mental detecting. It uh, it's probably one of the uh, uh, better sites out there as far as groups um, because we don't just concentrate on one area. Um, we're actually global and we hit uh, many countries and if you'll you'll see that there's so you get to meet uh, people from all over the world yeah. and even though if you don't speak the language when you're watching their videos, you know you know what they're doing and uh, you still get excited watching them. Yeah, and that's one of the great things, and we have we have multiple days during the week for anybody that's new as well. So uh, Art Tuesday is one of the the more popular ones. Uh, we have a, an artist on the webs on the group that is absolutely unbelievable. I wish I could even match him. I missed it unfortunately this week myself uh, due to work, but uh, uh, Brian's been out there, and I believe it's Brian. He's just been really. Really, uh, Terry. Yeah, uh, Terry. Yeah, Terry. Thank you, Terry Bernard. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of the most fantastic artists I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it's funny too because I have a cousin that's down uh, in Tennessee and actually knows Terry. Oh, really? Uh, and he's not even in our group. And uh, he actually wanted—I don't know if he did—he was going to buy a, a painting from Terry. So. Yeah, I was going to. I was going to. Small world. I was going to buy his uh, submission for Tuesday this week, but unfortunately, uh, funding is a little short this month, and so I wasn't able to do it. But the uh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, the Muhammad Ali. I really thought I really liked that one. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's it from me over here. All right. Well, let's wrap it up here so I can go out and have some fun. Not that this wasn't fun. <laughs> it's uh, always fun talking with you, Dave. Yeah, very, yeah, very heavy subject today. Uh, but there's some things that, yeah, you know, yeah, you, you know, we like to to get out there, even though it's not metal detecting um, related. It is sort of ties everything into to what we're, we're trying to accomplish here yeah. so from me and from, from me the, uh, we will see you next week with tommy decker all right legend urban detector all, all right, right guys well then good luck and happy hunting everybody we'll see you in exactly seven days This has been a production of the GDA Podcast Network.